Some of you may have encountered this, but one of my embarrassing traits is that I can have a pretty high level of face blindness, especially if I see people out of our normal contacts. So some examples of that, I always have to tell my students, um, if you run into me outside of the class, I would love it if you say hi, but I might not know who you are right away. So just remind me what class you're in and what year it was and how I know you. I'm so happy. Um, another embarrassing story, when I was in grad school, I met this lovely person at a friend's party, and we had a great conversation, and we realized that we worked in the same building on campus. The next morning, I ran into her in the hallway in our building, and I didn't recognize her at all. <laughs> and I didn't realize what had happened until we were already past, and I was like, that was so awkward. Um, and she seems a little bit put out, which is fair. Um, but my favorite story, not entirely my fault, and you'll see why in a second. When I was in college, I worked at a mom and pop grocery store on weekends and during the summer. And I had one colleague who, or colleague, coworker, let's just say he was pretty comfy. He wasn't exactly happy to be there. And no matter how hard I tried to say hi and hello and how are you, I could barely get more than a grunt out of him. But then one day, I ran into him at the county fair. So at the local county fair, he's in the line for like french fries or something, you know, the ones where you can get the salt vinegar and the giant container of ketchup dispenser thing. And he waves at me from afar and he's like, hey, Stephanie. I had no idea who it was. I could not recognize his smile because I never seen him smile. <laughs> so I'm going to ask Carrie to come up and read our passage today. It's Acts 9, 1 through 22. And when she's reading, just listen and see if a couple of the characters in the story have some face blindness. So you can come on up there. Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord sent me 
Finally, somebody could see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, flakes fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. After eating, he remained for strength. He stayed with the disciples in Damascus for several days. Right away, he began to preach about Jesus in the synagogue. He is God's son, he declared. Everyone who heard him was baffled. They questioned each other. Isn't he the one who was wreaking havoc among those in Jerusalem for Paul and his name? Hadn't he come here to take those saints who lost prisoners to the chief priests? But Saul grew stronger and stronger. He confused the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. This is the word of the Lord. story we just heard, and someone tell me if I'm not using the microphone well, um, the story that we just heard has two parts to it. So part one, we have Saul. Saul is on his way to Damascus, and he thinks he's going to be incredibly faithful to God. Saul is a defender of the faith. He is a persecutor of people who he thinks are wrong. He's flushing out the heretics, and he's chasing them down all the way to Damascus. He even has the approval of his high priest. So he really thought that he knew who God was and understood how God was working in the world. But it turns out that Saul was very, very wrong. And on his way to Damascus, he is confronted by Jesus. Now I'm going to paraphrase the conversation a little bit for us. But Jesus confronts Saul and he's like, dude, why are you hurting me? Why are you hunting me down? Don't you know who I am? And Saul's like, I have no idea who you are. And Jesus responds with, I'm the one that you're persecuting right now. With this whole trip to Damascus, you're chasing down these refugees who are followers of my way. So you see, Saul didn't really believe in Jesus, so he couldn't see that by oppressing the followers of Jesus, he was actually hurting Jesus himself. I don't know if this might remind you of any other stories in Scripture where folks fail to see God and others around them or to see um, how Jesus is working in the world around them. But one that it comes to mind for me is the parable of the sheep and the goats told by Jesus in Matthew 25. So I'm going to read verses 31 through 46 for you. Now when the human one comes in his majesty and all his angels are with him, he will sit on his majestic throne. All the nations will be gathered in front of him. He will separate them from each other, just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right side, and the goats will be on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who will receive good things from my father. Inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you before the world began. I was hungry, and you gave me food to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothes to wear. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And then those who are righteous are going to reply to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you as a stranger and welcome you, or naked and give you clothes to wear? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will reply to them, I assure you that when you have done it for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you have done it for me. And then he will go to those on his left and say, 
Get away from me, you who will receive terrible things. Go into the unending fire that has been prepared for the devil and his angels. I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, and you didn't give me anything to drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't welcome me. I was naked, and you didn't give me clothes to wear. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. And then they will reply, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and didn't do anything to help you? And he will answer them, I assure you that when you haven't done it for the least of these, you haven't done it for me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous ones will go into eternal life. So you see, the goats in this parable had face blindness when they couldn't recognize Jesus and those who were marginalized, vulnerable, and poor. I'm going to go on one quick tangent, um, which is to say that a lot of us may have been taught to think that when we serve people who are sick, imprisoned, lonely, displaced, or poor, that we're being like Jesus to them. And that can lead to some pretty problematic savior complexes, especially for those of us who are white. But what this passage actually shows is that Jesus is saying, no, I am the sick, imprisoned, lonely, and displaced. So when you get involved with the lives of the people who society sees as the least, these people are going to become like Jesus to you. Okay, so tangent over, back to Acts 9 and Saul. So Saul is here on the road to Damascus on his way to rounding up refugees from Jerusalem who follow Jesus. And he's confronted by Jesus and has this conversation with him. Where Jesus says, you are not recognizing me. You have a face blindness towards me. And then after that conversation, Saul is blinded. Like, for real. So he goes from not being able to see Jesus to not being able to see anything at all. Um, he's so distressed by it that he doesn't eat or drink anything for three days. And that's part one of the story. Saul, like the goats in Matthew 25, has a face blindness to Jesus. Then part two is Ananias is being sent to Saul. Ananias also has a type of face blindness. It's a little bit different. When Ananias looks at Saul, he sees, and reasonably so, he sees a dangerous enemy. The people of Jesus who lived in Damascus were actually refugees who had fled their homes in Jerusalem because of the violence against them. So they were displaced by people just like Saul. Maybe the terror that those followers of Jesus felt might be similar to the terror that the Afghanis are feeling right now, as the Taliban forces have tightened their grips on their country. Um, And maybe many other people who have also been forced out of their homes or into hiding because of violence against them. So Ananias rightly sees Paul as Saul, Paul, as a enemy. But then Ananias has a stream or vision where God talks to him. And I'm going to paraphrase again, but God says, Annie, there's this guy named Saul from Tarsus, and he's hanging out on the streets for you right now. He had a dream about you. Side note, that's creepy. Um, I want you to go and heal his eyes so, you can, so that he can see again. So first of all, when I heard this story again, I couldn't help but think about the Leonardo DiCaprio movie from a while ago, Inception. It's like dreams inside dreams. So here is Ananias having a dream about Saul, having a dream about him. Ananias has some questions. And Ananias says, you're kidding, right? Yeah, I'm paraphrasing. I've heard of the Saul from Tarsus guy. He's really bad news. We're going to say he can approve of the killing of Stephen. 
where God tells them, I'm not kidding, that's the soul that I'm talking about. But there is a new soul now, and he's on our side. So you see, when Ananias sees Saul, he sees him as an enemy. And during communion, we're going to be singing one of my favorite songs. And the song says that when I look into the face of my enemy, I see my sister, I see my brother. And so God is telling Ananias that this person that you think is a dangerous enemy is actually your brother. And he's going to suffer alongside you as a bearer of the good news and a follower of the way of Jesus. So Ananias goes to Saul. Willie Jennings, Willie Jennings points out that Ananias still has no idea what's going to happen to him. He only knows what's going to happen to Saul. But Ananias goes to Saul and he says to him, Brother Saul. And he names what God told him to be true before it was even totally true, as if he's calling Saul forth into the family of the followers of Jesus. And I wonder for ourselves, if we see others as brothers and sisters, as siblings who are made in God's image, before we see them as enemies to be rejected or feared or avoided or destroyed. I also want to, maybe it's one more tangent. Allow me one more tangent. This is pretty weird. Nobody would give Ananias this advice that he should go put himself in harm's way. No good friend would do that. It's not good pastoral counseling. Um, we wouldn't advise Ananias that he should go um, heal Saul so Saul can actually identify him as a follower of the way. I think we have to be careful not to take the story prescriptively as if it's a directive and that we should always be putting ourselves in harm's way or that people who have been abused should go back to their abuser. But we need to recognize that what God is doing is really risky and that God will ask us to do personally risky things. So I don't know whether I personally am more concerned when I think about Saul's version of face blindness or Ananias' version of face blindness. Saul can't recognize Jesus and hates his followers. And Ananias can't see an enemy as a potential brother. I wonder how many times I've missed how God was working in someone else to teach me because I thought I was the one with the right answers. Or how often I've missed the chance to change an enemy into a brother or sister because I didn't listen to Jesus or pay attention long enough to see what was really happening. In this story, it's only because of a personal encounter with Jesus that someone and Ananias are able to see each other rightly. And through their encounter with each other, they also see and know Jesus better. Please pray with me. Jesus, it is through you that we see each other rightly. By drawing closer to each other that we know you better, Holy Spirit, open our eyes so that we can see Jesus clearly in the people in our lives and communities, people who are ostracized, oppressed, and overlooked, the people that you are with. Give us your eyes so that we can see our enemies as our brothers and sisters. Help us to make our enemies into friends. Change us so that we are no longer act as enemies to those we have hurt. Transform the policies, the systems, the structures, and our own mindsets that make us enemies to others who are in our schools, our workplaces, our neighborhoods, and our country. Amen. Yeah.